Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Craig, you are RNIB's Research and Information Officer and you're also an optometrist and uh, it's great to have you in the studio. Thank you, Joan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. I'm uh, not doing so well today. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) I'm 40 years young today. (gasps) Happy birthday. Yay! Yay. And you know something? I've had such a great morning. I really have because uh-huh. everybody has been so good to me. I've had flowers and I've had gifts and I've had cards and it's just been lovely. No really. tears for leaving the 30s? Mm, I'm, I'm not thinking about it yet. Okay, right. Not thinking about it too much yet. <laughs> but i tell you what I am thinking about. I'm thinking yes. about our topic today because it's, it's a really, really interesting topic. And it's something that actually I haven't spoken a lot about on this programme. And it's uh, visual impairments with children. Now, apparently, the biggest cause of visual impairment in children is cerebral visual impairment. What is that? Cerebral visual impairment, typically um, round about the perinatal stage, just when slightly before the child is born or slightly after the child is born, there can be complications. It can also be due to uh, genetic conditions as well. But what's happening is there's an impairment of the, of the brain. The, the brain is affected and there could be a lack of oxygen to the brain at a significant period um, just around childbirth. And then that affects the child's ability to see because what a lot of people and quite rightly think, you know, the the eyes are responsible for sight, but really the eyes are kind of like a a tool um, for the brain to use in order to see. So the eyes receive the light and they convert it into an electrical uh, electrical, uh, signal. And then that signals pass back to the brain. And so the brain is really responsible for interpreting these images. And it's very, very complex process. One estimate that I heard was that 40% of the brain is used for sight. So it takes up a lot of brain processing power. Um, and so if you have any damage, especially to the, the vision centers of the brain, which are typically at the back of the brain, um, you're going to have these effects. My goodness. I mean, that is that is a huge statistic. It really is. I didn't know mm-hmm, that yes. that much of the brain was actually used for sight. I mean, I think we only use about a third of our brain. And if, if uh, 40% of that is used up with sight, my goodness. Yep. But what about um, children with, with visual impairments that, you, that you're talking about? You know, usually, apparently, there's a, a large percentage that have additional disabilities as well. Yes. So of that of that cohort of of children that have the cerebral visual impairment the the percentages range from between 20 and 50 percent they'll have multiple disabilities or other multiple and complex needs so what you're often finding is that it's not just the cvi which is the cerebral visual impairment that the child has that they have additional needs and complex needs that need to be addressed through education and through lifestyle now what about actually trying to make sure that this doesn't happen. Is there any way to prevent this before childbirth or is there anything that the people can do to to stop this this manifestation in the brain, whatever is happening? Or is it just something that happens? Craig? No, unfortunately, it's just something that happens. Um, if Complications are going to arise during childbirth. Um, there, there are, for example, uh, associations with with unfortunately mothers who are perhaps uh, misusing alcohol, for example, 
um, fetal alcohol syndrome, um, or if they happen to be using or misusing drugs, for example. So precautions like that could be taken. But in other cases, it's something that just happens to happen. Yeah. How important is it to have your child's eyes checked? I mean, are they naturally checked at birth anyway by doctors? Well, you should have a visit from the uh, the, the health team that come out to support mothers and, and young children at about um, six to eight weeks old. And simple reflexes should be looked for, a red eye reflex to make sure that there's nothing obstructing the path of light going into the eye and um, looking for normal eye movements and looking for any sticky discharges from the eyelids. But pretty much after that, what we're really depending upon is for the child to be screened at the kind of four to five years of age range. Uh, throughout the UK, there's, there's good um, provision made for this. But in England, it's a little bit patchy. So what we would really encourage is that if the children are not being screened at four to five years of age, as a matter of course, as part of a screening program, I'd really encourage, again, I know I keep going on about it, I would encourage uh, parents and carers to take their children to a high street optometrist. Is it free? Yes, it will be free. Um, Children under 16 receive free eye exams and they receive it based on need. So basic recommendation is that a child of that age should be receiving an eye exam at least every year. And if there is something that's going on that needs monitored, such as prescription changes or the eyes are not quite aligned, then what you're wanting to do is see that child a bit more frequently, sometimes as, as frequently as three or six months. And of course, it's so important to have your eyes checked for, uh, you know, as an adult, but when you're a child for, for you know, things like cancers and uh, cataracts, things that can actually be treated yes. at an early age and save lives. Definitely. And this is the point of having the health screeners come out and visit at such an early age. And it's definitely important not just to even wait after the six to eight weeks after birth and then to the period of four or five years of age. Children that are two, three, four years of age they can be seen by a high street optometrist and parents shouldn't fear that their children have low vocabulary skills or are not paying attention, won't sit at peace. Many optometrists understand this. First of all, many optometrists have objective tests that don't depend on the response of the child. So they can get some decent results, even a basic prescription. And if you can bring the child back every three or six months, you're exposing the child to that environment and that's helping with cooperation. So I would encourage all children to be taken as early as possible, even just to get exposed to the environment. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very difficult with a, a baby when they're having their eyes checked because yes. obviously they can't speak and they can't say anything's wrong. I'd imagine if a child has a visual impairment and they're used to having it, they maybe not won't know by the time they are able to speak that, you know, they do have a visual impairment. That may seem quite normal. Exactly. The way they see. Exactly, so, yeah. Mm. If the child has a, a visual impairment, something even as simple as short-sightedness, and the world appears blurred to them. Well, no one has ever pulled them aside and said, that's abnormal. That is completely normal. And even if someone, a child has something more severe, such as a part of the visual field missing, 
then they've never known anything otherwise. So they grow up thinking that that is normal. So, yeah, that's why it is important to go for eye tests. Absolutely. And it used to be the case that, you know, glasses were so kind of ugly, uh, particularly for children. Now they're so cool. And my little niece uh, has a pair of glasses and I I think they're actually designer glasses. I mean, you know, you've got designer frames for kids now. They look really cool. And all her friends want glasses to look like her. So Uh it's it's not something that the parents should be frightened that their children's children are going to be bullied over. No, I mean, there's a lot of stylish frames out there. And yeah, I would encourage it. Yeah, Absolutely. Craig, it's always so fascinating speaking to you. It really is. Thank you. Now, if anybody wants to find out more information about uh, visual impairment with children, what, what is the best place to go to? Well, there's a range of web, uh, websites and resources available. And um, I understand that you'll make that available on the website after the show. Um, one of them that I would really encourage, especially for children with uh, the cerebral visual impairment or the multiple and complex needs is the the VINCIP or VINCIP depending on how you pronounce it the acronym V-I-N-C-Y-P and that's at vincyp.scot.nhs.uk and that has a, a, a large number of resources for parents and carers they have fact sheets on eye conditions and links with local areas and a pathway for professionals um, such as optometrists and orthoptists uh, to help um, facilitate multi-agency support for children when they're diagnosed with a visual impairment. And because of children are not just under 16s, we have the 12 to 25 age range. Uh, RNIB run the Haggai Project, and we also have uh, a site run by the College of Optometrists, Look After Your Eyes, And this is quite good for young children. Um, It contains a lot of infographics and videos on visits to optometrists. So it gives them an idea of what to expect. And we also have um, EyeSight operated by Moorfields and an organization based in Birmingham, I believe, called Victor. And that's called Through Scarlet's Eyes. That's another good website. And, of course, uh, Sense for uh, Children with Deaf Blindness. That's another uh, good one. Absolutely. Well, you've provided us with so much information, so many links, and we will make them available to our listeners. Thank you. Also, if anybody wants to ask any questions or they're worried about their children's eyesight or indeed their own eyesight, you can always get in touch with RNIB. Look at the website. There's a wealth of information there. It's rnib.org.uk. And you can, of course, phone the helpline. It's 0303 123. 9999. Craig Collin, it's been so good catching up with you. It really has. You have a fantastic month, and we'll see you again next month. Thank you, Joe. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.